Hello, Mr. Grady. Hello, good sir. How are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing great. Ready to do this, bad boy? Yeah, I'm ready to rock this thing. The stars are online. Let's get this party started. Hell yeah. Welcome, everybody, to the Fox and Keek podcast. We're coming to you from 1996, specifically July 7th, 1996, because we're going to re- we're going to cover Bash of the Beach 1996. The hostile takeover. Hell yeah. Um, any uh, before we get started, any any memories? Do you have this from back in the day or? Oh, man. I, to be honest, this was actually a year before I actually started watching WCW. So okay. this was more of a treat for myself as a pro wrestling fan to go back and kind of view it on the network and to, I don't know, brush up and then kind of see what they did back then and kind of, you know, add it to what they could do today. It's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I don't know much before I saw the show, and um, I know that this is probably one of, if not one of the most, like, just most influential pay-per-view in quite some time, just because of what it pretty much, the domino effect was, if you think about it. I mean, going into it, I had no idea of the card. But there was a lot of different various matches that had a lot of great different aspects to them, I felt. And the ending to the show had the biggest swerve in pro wrestling that you couldn't predict for years on end. Well, I think I think what what the lasting legacy of this pay-per-view has kind of overshadowed like the actual pay-per-view, you know? Because like you said, like I, I before this Nobody talked about the undercard. It was all about what happens in the main event, what happens with the turn, and all that stuff. But you never talked. It was never talked about who else was on the card and what went what went on. Exactly. They need to give recognition and due to the undercard and the cruiserweights and the people down in the matches before the main event that actually stack it out and make it a full-fledged show and bring everybody up as a roster. Yeah, I mean I don't know I don't know what else um could be said that hasn't been said about this pay-per-view. Um we'll review it, you know, and then uh hopefully we can come out to see if it was actually a good show or if it was just really just a one match show and which was just the main event, but we'll see. All right. Um, Do you got any little tidbits for us? Well, I just wanted to say uh, what the difference between uh, WCW and WWF, I noticed, is the production value and the commentary back then. I thought that it it stood out specifically because. Um, I don't know. It seemed like WCW had more of like a, a flashy, more alluring, like visual aspect to it. Maybe. What do you think? Well, growing up on just uh, WWF slash E alone, uh, yeah, you can totally tell there's a big uh, difference from uh, like the vignettes, all the video promos, and everything. You know, it was just just di- different. You know. Um, back then, you know, you got to think about where everybody was, you know, WCW had an unlimited amount of, uh, of money that they could use. So obviously, you know, their pyros and everything are going to go out of the roof because they could, they could just spend their money on all this pyro while the other company, you know, they were cool. Billionaire Ted. Yeah. Billionaire Ted. Yeah, all his endless pockets of money. So it's like, so it's like, uh, you know, a little stark contrast. But I mean, like at the time, I mean, like I bet you it was, because like I said, I'm just more used to of the of the 
WWF style, you know, of how they recap the oh for the, sure. uh, the rivalries and like how they did everything. So it was a little, little different for me. The great but thing I mean, about the contrast in the shows is that, I don't know, maybe you have kind of like a corporate feel for WWF. I would, I would say in my opinion, and then maybe like a country, like renegade outlaw feel for WCW possibly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get everybody into the mindset. This is July 7, 1996. We're coming for you, to you from Daytona Beach of Florida in the Ocean Center, which was uh, pretty much 8,000 8, or so. I think it was sold out, too. So, pretty packed yeah, show. Yeah, full capacity. <laughs> right? And, like, legit, even before the main card started, there was there was a bunch of dark matches with a lot of great wrestlers on it, wasn't there? I saw that on the, I think, I looked it up on the, I did a little bit of research on it. I noticed that there's a bunch of matches that on, was it Saturday night main event before the pay-per-view? Yeah, I think they taped taped, uh, an episode for it, yeah. They had maybe at least five or six matches. I don't have that information before me right now, but I know there was a lot. There was at least maybe one or two title matches on there, too, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it was actually the Steiner brothers, Rick Rick and Scott. They, uh, they wrestled uh, Harlem Heat. Nice. Yeah, I, I know that's probably the standout. Standout, like you said, I, I, don't ha- I should have brought my sheet with me, but I, I remember that was the match that that's to actually like, oh wow, I can't believe that uh I thought we were gonna jump right into the, the pay per view card. So I I was like, uh oh, I don't know that information right off hand. <laughs> my bad, dude. My it's bad. all good. But yeah, like yeah, they had the Steiners and Harlem Heat, which is Booker T and Stevie Ray. You know, they also had uh and Steven Regal was on the wow. dark That's matches. So cool. You know, it's like you know so it's, many it's crazy that they let I mean, that must tell you something about their roster back in the day if they're leaving out those those big names, you know, off the, off the main card. Big time. And it's just fascinating to think of them being on Saturday Night Main Event, uh, defending and fighting for titles, not even on the pay-per-view. Right. That's so cool. But, all right, well, our first matchup begins with um, Psychosis taking on Rey Mysterio. Yes. So... This is my kind of first introduction into pretty much what everybody loves to talk about is the cruiserweight division of WC of prime WCW. Oh yeah. So to my amazement, you know, it it starts off it starts off with them, you know, going back and forth, countering each other, you know. And then um you know, it was pretty uh did, did you see psychosis kind of like uh like sting himself when he was trying to do one of like one of the like roll like their arm rolls or whatever. I noticed that both of these guys were just absolutely going all out at a hundred percent. You could tell that they were just leaving it all out there for the fans. Yeah, so I mean, like it was a, it was pretty good good to see you know good good like uh, like I said cruiserweight action. You know, I, it's it's kind of funny how like back in the day that was like uh that was like. So awe-inspiring, so like just jaw-dropping action that nowadays, you know, you still you see nowadays everybody has been influenced by it because everybody and their mother kind of does does what they they were doing back then. Well, what I thought was really neat about the commentary was is that they tried to explain the moves because they know obviously that the average viewer is not going to understand the style and the techniques of everything that's going on, but I just it's so nice that they took the time to actually put that skill out there so people could appreciate it and learn it. Yes. So I want, I did want to talk about that real quick for sure. Was that the main commentators was Bobby Heenan, Dusty and uh, Tony Schiavone, but Mike Tenay who was brought in because he like pretty has much is like the go-to guy for the history and everything about the Lucha Libre style and everything. That's cool. <laughs> Excuse me. And, like, legit, he, like, broke it down. And there's, like, I don't know much about it. So, I, I it was hella, hella nice for me to 
just listen to him spew on and on and on about about just the division and cruiserweights and lucha libre and everything. So I was kind of like, wow, that's that's really cool. And another thing I thought was awesome was that after the match, uh, I think Conan was doing a an interview with Mean Gene Okerlund in the back, and he was uh, actually explaining the finishing move that they did to the match between Mysterio and Psychosis before he went into his promo, and I thought that was really neat because he was like not only starting his promo but representing you know what he believed in also. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, so the match ends with uh, Mysterio taking the, the victory. And like I said, this for me, this was for sure, for sure, like a great introduction to what everybody's been talking about. And I know that uh, Psychosis and Mysterio wrestled each other thousands and thousands of times. I bet you they can do that match within their sleep. So it was it was a great, great, great start to the, to the pay-per-view, in my opinion. It probably what feels like second nature when they're – doing the springboards and all the various moves. But, I mean, it's it takes a lot of skill and athleticism to try to come up with everything and try to plan it all out. So, I mean, you can only give prop and, props and accolades all around completely. Yeah, and then, so after that, uh, like you said, our, our second match – is uh, a Carson City Silver Dollar match. It's so funny. Which, which, what I think, you know, you, they say that wrestling doesn't do long-term booking, but I think Russo already had a foot in WCW because it's basically <laughs> a sock or whatever with full of coins on a yeah. pole match. What is going on? And it makes me wonder, like, are they actual coins? Are they, like, play coins? Are they, like, the chocolate coins? What kind of coins are they? Are they gimmick coins? Hey, they're swerves, (laughs) and they are swerves. And, ladies and gentlemen, I think we've just been swerved. But uh, (laughs) in this match, we got uh, John Tenta, a.k.a., uh, I think he was Earthquake, right? Slash Gold. The dude's a, a massive man, and he's a force to be reckoned with. I know that. Take and he he's going out here he versus uh Big Bubba Rogers, which is pretty much uh Big Boss Man coming who's accompanied with uh J- Jimmy Hart. I thought that was pretty neat. So when dude, I did not know Big Boss Man was this big. What it, 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 I was like, wow, this this was this was a huge man. Oh yeah, they sized up completely. Like I, what I took down on my notes was that uh. He didn't made a comment saying that John Tenta was 187 pounds when he was born. <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, that's terrible." A baby that size. I think, I think this is actually like my first uh, pay per view where I actually have Keenan as a commentator throughout. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a full pay per view with him as a commentator. So I was, he is very good, very, very good. I love it. I mean, it's they say so many memorable lines that. I mean, I'm sure there's a website out there with all the lines from Nitro and WCW pay-per-views over the years. But, so this match is pretty much, uh, it's pretty much like a big Haas match. It's just working each other, you know. Big time. With big. I think they used tape yeah, at some know, point. And don't, do they table yeah. or is that the other match? No, that's the other match. Um so pretty much what the what the gist is that you have to get the the silver dollars off the pole. But did you notice how tall that pole? Yeah, was? it was like there there was no way in hell any of those two guys were gonna get. And it. I also noticed I don't think in any other match I've noticed before that they implemented scissors for cutting like the tape and the rope with that was attached to the pole and everything. Yeah, I don't know, like. You don't usually see cutting a lot in matches. No, because I mean, it's usually besides like, something you'll be seeing any hair for a hair match. It's usually not no bueno. Definitely. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, but yeah, like legit. Uh, pretty much the ending is like uh, earlier in the match. Uh, Tenta he uh, 
starts trying to do this, undo one of the straps so they can lower the level, I guess, you know. But he does one, but then leaves it. And then uh, Jimmy Hart starts to climb it. And uh, <laughs> he doesn't see what's going on behind him. He's he thinking he's thinking that Big Bubba has the advantage, so he's going to hand him over. But once he comes back down, he sees Tenta. Jimmy Hart is so know. hilarious. I just love whenever he gets into trouble and he starts making those shrieking noises. It's so funny. And yeah, so like, uh, so he comes back down, you know, Tenta, he, uh, he grabs a sock from Hart, he, uh, hits Bubba with it, and he pins Bubba for the victory. You know, it was, it was an all right match. I mean, like I said, it was two, two big guys going at it. That's what I like about WCW, though. You get a mishmash for a little bit of everything. So, I mean, there's like a little bit of goofy fun, you get some hardcore, and then you get some, it's just, it's like a variety. Yeah, I mean, so far, like I said, the first match was really good. I, I for sure liked it a lot. Um, second match, you know, I was kind of uh, kind of getting a little tired, you know, towards the end. It could have been a little bit shorter, but hey, it, it, it held, held my attention, though. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay, I got uh, on my notes here. I wanted us to talk about that promo with the team Sting. You know how they all three had the face paint on? Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was really fun. I thought we should discuss that. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts? Um, okay. At one point, I took notes saying that uh, Sting was commenting about the dangers and the perils of the unknown. And right like awkwardly smacked that right in the middle of the promo macho man's like oh i like that he's just like cuts him right off he's like still in the spotlight i thought it was so funny <laughs> he just like interject real quick but i thought it was neat you should have checked out you should have been looking at luger dude like his like i noticed during that like he was either on something or coming down from because his like his eyes were just like really weird looking <laughs> at it. he thought he was in the zone He's in the danger oh, zone, no. buddy. <laughs> Our third matchup is a tape fist match, which is which features DDP Diamond Dallas Page versus Jim Duggan for Page's Lord of the Ring ring. So I thought I thought they were talking about the one ring to rule them all. Oh yeah, definitely. But I mean, like, if he's gonna own the ring, then. And I, I guess everybody has to pay rent to him. I don't know. How does that work? I don't know. Like, I never, I've never heard of, I've never heard of this. So I was kind of like Lord of the Ring, you know? So it's like, I legit thought he was going to uh, come with the Sauron, all the orcs and stuff, you know, and destroy Middle Earth. Exactly. You know, so I've never, like I said, I've never seen WCW DDP. So I was, I, uh, any, any thoughts of this match, you know? Well, one of the lines that I, I noticed that I wrote down, Keenan says, uh, the fans at home are so stupid that they can't even count to 10. He didn't, he, dude, he, he's... I thought that was plays funny. the old commentary role so it's well. It's so brutal, but I mean, it gets it across because he's supposed to be a dick, but he's also funny at the same time, which is great. Right. So at the start of the match, Duggan uh, knocked out, knocks Page out of the ring with a shoulder block, and um, and they start going. You know, there's there's this one spot that I really liked, which is kind of which is kind of a corny spot, was where uh, like DDP is like in between the top and the middle rope, and like he gets punched, he leans back, he tries to get up, gets punched again. That was a pretty cool spot. Definitely. You know, so it was a. Uh, this is a nice, nice little, nice little thing, and um, I don't know. I don't know much, have much to say because I don't think Duggan is a type of guy who could probably show me what a a good DDP match would be because, like, right. I, didn't, I didn't feel like <laughs> I didn't feel this was a very good like DDP. I was just like, okay, he um, didn't go. Whoa, no. <laughs> right? Like, I just, I was just like, cause I. Like I said, like one of my highlights of reviewing these is like I want to see 
uh, page, you know, in his prime, you know, and then I just, I, did, I was like, ah, well, I don't see the hype yet. I, hopefully I see it. Like, I don't want, I don't want to be, uh, like, uh, controversial over here, but like right now I, from this match alone, I, I haven't seen it yet. Hopefully, hopefully I do. Definitely. I mean, it, it's a progression. We'll go along and then we'll see a lot of people evolve. I'm sure as time goes along. One of the comments I thought was funny, though, was when Tony Schiavone said, stomp him while he's down. And it's so, like, you don't expect to hear that from, like, a face announcer because, like, they're getting so invested and passionate. And anyway, I thought that was cool. Yeah, I mean, like, the like you can tell, like, uh, the commentary back then was more kind of like, it, it wasn't, it didn't feel so robotic. It was kind of like, okay, I want the good guy to win. So if the good guy is on a roll, you know, obviously it's kind of like when you're cheering your favorite sports team, it's like you want them. Like if like the team, your team is going on a, on a 10 0 run or something in basketball, you want them to keep going. It's like, yeah, get, you know, stop their facing. You, know? like you want them to keep going. Contain that so I, 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 and keep it rolling. Yeah. So like I can get that emotion coming out of Shivani for sure. Uh, the match ends with uh, that famous diamond cutter. He pins Doug and gets the one, two, three to retain his ring. Um, but after the match, there were some shenanigans going on, and uh, Duggan comes back, tapes his fists, and starts punching Paige and runs Paige out of there. Um, okay, so <laughs> I'm at a point now over in my in my notes where I wrote something saying, Jimmy Hart, you... Okay. Do you remember the the promo they had with Arn Anderson and Benoit? Uh, yeah, but th- that's a little bit, isn't that? I think I'm a little ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. That's a. Little, I think it's a little bit ahead, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Okay. Was there something with Jimmy Hart and the Giant? Yeah, that's but uh, that's uh, that's after this match. That's uh, you have backstage. You have um, Mean Gene uh, interviewing uh, Kevin Sullivan and uh, Jimmy Hart, and and uh, he uh, Mean Gene calls Jimmy Hart you little twerp. Oh, we ended up uh, having the the four corner dog collar match, right? Yeah, that's right after the that's right after the uh, the. The promo, there, the interview, backstage interview. And uh, he's beating a man with a rubber shark. I thought that was funny by Tony Schiavone. Yeah. So yeah, and the next match would would be what is that aforementioned uh, dog collar match? And yeah, that this match for me was you have the Nasty Boys taking on a public enemy, and from. The only thing I know of Public Enemy is they got the shippy out of them by the the APA. Oh. And then the only thing I know about the Nasty Boys is that Brian Knobs is a fucking douche. So it's like I wasn't looking forward to this. And, yeah, this for me, this match wasn't very good. Yeah, it didn't really have a technical aspect to it whatsoever. It was just pretty much, uh, I don't know, just the – Hardcore match, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I felt like just like there was no flow through the match. It was just like they were just doing spot with spot with spot. Like there was at one point, um, I can't remember who it was, but they were trying to jump off the lifeguard thing. They were pretty um, much tearing up the entire beach. Yeah, you with know, everything it, like I said, it, it just wasn't. I like a hardcore match, you know, but I like it to, like, an actual flow to it. I don't just, like, fucking watch people be- beat each other up for no reason. It was funny, and I think it was actually Dusty. He was like, a shock, shock, beating with a rubber shock. <laughs> and then Brain said, I hate to follow these four with a pooper scooper. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it was just, it was just a really... Just the real gimmicky kind of a match, maybe. Yeah, I think it's just what to me wasn't very good. Just like, well, like I said, like I've heard that the Public Enemy wasn't really that great of wrestlers anyway. So, and then I I don't know anything about the Nasty Boys, and it was just like it was just kind of like people who didn't have very much 
in sync. I can't really discredit the gimmicks though, because WCW, if you think of it, it's kind of like where the the gimmicks play along with the big boys. Look at the adjective. <laughs> But yeah, the the match ends oh, with um, the, the nasty boys. Slot. I'm sorry. No, you're uh, the, the yeah. The match ends with the nasty boys. They do a clothesline to uh, to Rocco Rock with the chain, and then uh, Sags hits Rock again with the chain, and he put pins him with uh, for the one two three. They tried the to put one of the guys through a table in that match twice, and it didn't work. That table would not break for anything. No, yeah, that table was made. For from like from Japan because that table <laughs> would not break big time until it broke and then they do and then he jumps off it again after he, it breaks and I another comment that Brain made in the match was uh, he called it a Greco Roman collar match <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then um, after that you have like a little skit or a little backstage uh, word with Mean Gene, you know, he's he's standing by a locker room, of or he's standing at the Outsiders locker room. Um, no, you're fine. Uh, um, yeah, we're we're, we're just discussing with, about uh, Mean Gene Okerlund standing outside the the area with the security, or was it police? No, he's in the backstage. Uh, he's in by the Outsiders locker room, and. Um, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Something about like uh, something about like uh, they're threatening to, or threatening to go right to a lawyer. Yeah. Should either, should either <laughs> of them two touch him or anything? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, Brain wanted me and Gene Okerlund to ask the the police. The question, and then BG Okerlund started snapping back, saying, oh, I don't want to get involved in your schemes, brain." <laughs> yeah, you know, and like, everybody's all speculating, also speculating where, where the hell is Eric Bischoff at? Because what happened last year at the Great American Bash was uh, that was the pay-per-view where I think it was Nash who powerbombed uh, Bischoff through some, through some tables. Big time. They were really causing a stir in the wrestling world. Yeah. So after after the after the uh, the the uh, little backstage skit, we get uh, a cruiserweight title match with the man of a thousand holes, Dean Malenko versus Disco Inferno. Yeah, I was so happy to see Dean Malenko. That guy is such a tactician, and he was like the first true submissionist. Like, like in wrestling that I actually grew to appreciate early out in wrestling, watching wrestling. No, yeah, like, 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 legit, I was also excited, like, it's, same thing with, like, everybody who I've seen in the Federation, you know, everybody says, you know, anybody other than, like, maybe Eddie and Jericho and Benoit, oh, they were better before they came to the WWF, so I was also excited to see Prime Malenko. I was like, oh, hell yeah, so the man of a thousand holds. I want to see what he did, and I wasn't disappointed. He pretty much dominated from bell to bell. I kind of think of a comparison in Zack Sabre Jr. today in submission style to, like, Dean Blinko back then. I kind of have a comparison to that in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I can't make that comparison because I don't know who that guy is, but... um. But yeah, like legit, any any little offense that Disco got, he literally was just right back on back on the defensive, and Malenko pretty much was on top of him. And uh, yeah, he puts him in the Texas Cloverleaf, and he gets the submission victory. The Malenko does. It's always a treat to see great wrestling. Well, never mind that crap, because here comes Mongo <laughs> versus Joe Gomez. And this is, I think this is Mongo's third uh, professional bout. And, uh, yeah, it, it fucking showed. But, Keith, he's a four horseman. So, can I be in the four horsemen, too? Do I have to pay, like, a fine or, like a fee or something? Because, like, 
How the fuck does Mongo get in? I remember I think on, on Nitro, was he always hitting people with like a briefcase? I don't know, dude. I've never seen Nitro. Oh, snap. That's right. I'm sorry. Shoot. We might have to cover that. Hey, that could be that could be a future show. Wink, wink. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like legit, I mean, a lot of punches, a lot of kicks, a lot of chops, and lots of just falling down when they doesn't need to be falling down, and lots of just, it was no bueno. I noticed that Brain at one point name dropped Eddie Guerrero during the match. Did he? I didn't catch that. He did. He was uh, putting the good word out there for people who would recognize him. <laughs> uh, but the match ends with the tombstone. I, I'm not. A, I mean, I mean, if I was Mark Calloway, I'd be uh, looking for my lawyers for that. And your winner is Steve <laughs> Mc, Mongo McMichael. Everybody. Oh, oh, uh, the dog. I I think they called it Peppy. You know, Deborah Mc, Mc Deborah Michaels. Uh, she came out with Mongo, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were they were making fun of it. It was like a poodle or something. Yeah, like, I mean, she looked totally different too. I didn't recognize her. Like, I was like, "That's Deborah." Wow. Yeah. Completely different. Taking the trip in the way back machine. Right. <laughs> but oh, and when then... they said the dog's name was Peppy, it immediately flashed into my mind Pepper. That situation in the Attitude Era. <laughs> We don't want to talk about that because uh, I do not condone any violence to animals. Just saying. No, 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 <laughs> not whatsoever. I'm just sorry. Name, no, I'm just, name I'm just saying. Whatever. I'm just saying. I don't want any. I don't want PETA against us. You know. Oh, no, I don't no, no, totally not whatsoever. Numbers. I don't condone animal violence either. And then we get another uh, backstage uh, interview, and this time it's uh, Mean Gene interviewing the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Man, it's with, always fascinating to see him speak. I mean, like, and he's with uh, Miss Elizabeth and a uh, woman, aka Nancy Benoit. Wow, she's and then uh, she's pretty much macking on me, Robo, right? Yeah, yeah, you, you know, the whole time she has uh, Mean Jean's arm, you know, and then uh, you can kind of, you can kind of say, I uh, can kind of tell that he kind of like wasn't really like he was uncomfortable with it but as in like he's like oh wow this woman's actually <laughs> flirting with me mean Jean was saying oh i'm spoken for but then like he's like oh no she's really trying to come out of me <laughs> so after that you know it's just a normal spiel that uh rick flair will uh w- will beat conan and uh take the u.s mat u.s title from him Rick Flair so, at one point said "private party." I thought that was pretty fun. Any 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 Ric Flair promo in my mind is a good promo. I don't care if it's a half-ass Ric Flair promo because the man is just the man is just great. Definitely. But yeah, the next match is the aforementioned uh, U.S. title match. It's Conan versus Ric Flair, who is accompanying again with Woman and Miss Elizabeth. I thought it was fascinating because I respect Conan in the ring. And this was like a way early look in his career. And it showed that, you know, getting a match with Flair is an opportunity to get yourself over in the ring. Like so early in that stage of your career. And it's so amazing. Well, this is the this is uh, Conan before he's all gangsta Conan. Totally, because so, like I I knew of the Wolfpack, so I knew him of his like gangster attire and everything. So I was kind of surprised to see him, um, like the way he was dressed and everything, you know. And then, um, but the match was was decent. It wasn't bad. I mean, Flair did his usual stuff, you know, you know the the turnbuckle spot where he flips upside down and he flips to the outside, you know. Mm-hmm. That part was funny because after that, uh, he gets hit and he's like a little yelp, little grunt that he does. It was really funny. I liked when uh, I wrote down the surfboard and it turned it into a bow and arrow. I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. 
Yeah, it was a, it was a, like I said, it was a good match. Uh, for sure, it was a good match. It ends with uh, with. Rick he ended Flair up slapping the... Flair in the face too, which was pretty cool too. Yeah, making a name for himself, uh, you know. Well, so was was he just up and coming at this point? Yeah, like he, the, like you were saying earlier, he's he didn't have the traditional ring attire we know of, like from later on. He had like the the frill gimmicks on the the end of the the tassels. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I'm yeah, not, so I'm not gonna with, describe uh, him because you know he's he's a tough dude. I don't I don't want to say anything. <laughs> Yeah, so save any spoilers for later on. And it ends with a couple of shenanigans with uh, Woman and Miss Elizabeth getting involved, you know. Because it uh, looked like he was about to win, but uh, Woman, uh, I think it was Woman who distracted the ref. And then it was Miss Elizabeth who hit him with her shoe. Or do I have that backwards? Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, uh, both ladies, they were distracting the referee and playing a part throughout the entire match. Yeah, Conan gets hit with the shoe, and then you got the very tippity top. You got uh, Ric Flair standing on the on that top rope, where his legs are standing on the top rope, and he gets the one, two, three, and we have a new U.S. champion, which is Ric Flair. Yes, indeed. It seems weird because you think that Conan would be trying to vie for the championship going forward, but I, I mean, the focus was trying to get himself over in the match with a legend. Yeah, like I said, it, he, he, it wasn't a bad showing for sure. I mean, I, I bet you, if you look back, Flair had probably better matches. But to me, it was I, I, I it was a solid match. I was impressed with Conan, and you know, Flair's Flair. So I was I, I liked the match. It was good. It's very impressive outing for sure. Yeah, and then we get another backstage segment, and um, this time, me Gene is uh. They're trying to figure out throughout the whole night, throughout commentary and these backstage segments, you know, they're trying to figure out who is the third guy. So, again, Mean Gene is in the back uh, by the outsider's dressing room, and he says he can he can listen to he, – he hears a third <laughs> voice, but he not, he's not exactly sure who it is, but it sounds familiar, he says. Something in the subconscious. You're right, yeah, something in the subconscious. So, I mean, like, they're just sprinkling these – Little sugar, you know. We've seen this man before. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, back. I wonder what people thought back then, like what was going through their minds, you know, when he's coming out with with something like that. I wonder uh, if the rumors are like, oh, is this going to be such a a big swerve? We're not going to expect it. It's going to really rock everything, right? Well, I mean, like. I mean, you got to put yourself – we'll talk about it later when we get into the main event. But, I mean, like, just the whole – like I said, everything nowadays, everything leaks on the internet. Back then, there was no internet. So, it's like you didn't know what was going on if you were just a casual fan, per se, you know, or a fan that wasn't into the dirt sheets or anything. No, you really had to dig deep. I mean, you had to trade videos or collect magazines. You really had to invest into it if you really wanted to learn about it. Yeah, so like I said, we'll get into that when we get to the main event. Now it is time for the semi-main event, which is a couple of four, a couple of the four horsemen uh, is Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit versus uh, the Dungeon of Doom, which is Kevin Sullivan with the WCW champion, the Giant, who is accompanied with Jimmy Hart again. So Jimmy got paid this pay-per-view, man. All these appearances? Are you kidding me? Definitely, he's managing and making his voice heard and being known on the show, that's for sure. Right? Yeah, so like, uh, I think uh, this is like uh, when the Giant and uh, Solomon were coming out, they uh, Mongo attacks the Giant, which uh, makes him run after Mongo, and it's pretty much a handicap match from there on out. What I really liked at one point is that the giant just starts lumbering up after Benoit and Benoit, he's such so smaller in stature, but he just still runs up to him anyway. He starts hitting them on the chest. Like he's going to take a watch still regardless. Yeah. I thought that was cool. 
So, but yeah, like I said, it turns into pretty much a handicap match for most of the match. Uh, you got Arn, Arn and Benoit just handling, manhandling uh, Sullivan. Um, I think the Giant definitely uh, takes over towards the end and ends up like emphatically doing a choke slam and winning the match. Yeah, yeah, but that look so so like okay, so here's my question, you know, what's going on here, you know? You have your champion, right? He's the giant and he's gone for most of the match. Yeah. You know, that doesn't look very good. I mean imagine no. imagine imagine now uh Drew McIntyre, you know, he's the universal champion and he's in a match and he's gone for half of it, you know. Everybody's like, well, what the hell's going on? I guess that's the way I look at it. I look at it kind of like, like he's your, he's the guy, you know. So it's like, and you, you, you should be there. They do have the availability the of having those cameras follow those people around. Like they showed it in that four, four color match. They had different camera angles for all the different people. So it's not like they couldn't have that person going around doing something still. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, uh, Giant comes back. Um, also, something that that was kind of weird to me was like, so the Dungeon of Doom is supposed to be heel, so why the fuck is Kevin Sullivan the one getting beat up the whole time, getting ready for the hot tag to to a coming back Big Show, or I mean, sorry, Giant. You know, <laughs> it, it doesn't. Like, this whole match didn't really make much sense to me because it's like, okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna be the heel, you shouldn't be in that babyface role of getting beat up. Throughout the whole match to do the hot tag. That's true. Yeah, so it was it was an okay match. It wasn't anything. It was kind of cool seeing uh, Arn Anderson for the first time, and um, you know early Benoit stuff. So I mean, it wasn't, wasn't too bad. Um, what I liked towards the end though was when uh, I guess Tony Schiavone mentioned on the replay. Uh, Arn Anderson was trying to reach out to check and see if uh, Kevin Sullivan was okay. And Kevin Sullivan slapped his hand away. He's like, don't you fucking touch me. He was trying to keep true to the gimmick and he didn't want him to try to give away, you know, the storyline or break character. I thought that was neat. Yeah, so the Giant comes back. He dominates with the hot tag and then he does a choke slam on Anderson for the win and him and Jimmy leave which leaves uh, Sullivan alone, you know, and Benoit continues the attack. And a woman comes down. So apparently this is still when woman was still with, uh, with Sullivan, you know, That's please, right. Benoit, stop, you know, please stop. And uh, the only, but Benoit ignores it and he doesn't stop until the giant comes back out, you know, so a uh, little, cool mention here was that after that the giant picks uh, Sullivan up and he carries him all the way to the back carries him that's so impressive such a big dude right yeah so so that was that and now we're coming to our main event the hostile takeover (laughs) you have arguably the biggest storyline coming into this you know um what more can be said about this before you in May you have Razor Ramon aka Scott Hall I think it was just 8 days after he uh his contract was up with uh WWF come on down through through the crowd on an episode of Nitro and calls out billionaire yeah <laughs> You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. So, you have people thinking Razor Ramon is coming to take over WCW. They don't know. They don't know that um, that his contract was up. They, people think Vince sent – well, I don't even know if they knew Vince was the owner back then. They just think that WWF sent Razor to come over here and put these guys – the bed or something. Well, not only uh, Scott Hall, but 
I mean, as we would come to see also, he would bring in his friend Kevin Nash, and he was also uh, Big Diesel in WWF as well. Yeah, I mean, so, so yeah, he comes down and he's teasing that there's another guy coming, and and the tease ends up, ended up being um, Big Sexy Kevin Nash, you know, coming down to see where the big boys played. You look at the- <laughs> He looked at the ad- adjective, and um, and so yeah, so these guys are running amok f- for these couple months in WCW. But what something in the promo package that kind of stood out to me was that like, um, that just two guys. I mean, this kind of makes it look WCW's roster kind of look kind of weak. Was that just two guys with baseball bats could hold them off? You know, you would think. <laughs> They had strength in numbers, and just, they could just jump them, you know? It's the pure shock ability. They were just running in there being guerrilla war tactics. Right? So it's like, it's like looking at it back, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it through 2020, I so I'm like, I bet you back then, like you said, it's the shock and awe of, of, uh, of them just being on TNT, on Nitro, and all that stuff, like that everybody's kind of just they were just playing up to it, so I gotta look at it that way. I thought it was cool that they had Michael Buffer, but when I heard him introduce the Outsiders, I thought it was so funny because he said like, "The Outsiders." It was just—it sounded different. It was so weird. Yeah. So yeah, we come to the match, and it's uh, the Outsiders, Scott Hall. And Kevin Nash with a third person yet to be named versus Sting, Lex Luger, and the Macho Man, Randy Savage. And as you said, Michael Buffer does the announcements. And yep. I, was, I was surprised, like, what the fuck is he doing on a wrestling show? Right. I mean, it was like it, it was a huge deal. And it, it was like a different show. It was weird. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it was kind of funny seeing him there because uh, I've I only seen him in uh, – and boxing, so it was kind of funny to hear him. Well, no, actually, no, I, I remember watching Bash, Bash of the Beach 2000, and he was there too, but that's uh, another another story for another time. What I liked about uh, the ring gear for each of the competitors in the match was that the, the baby faces had, like, bright, colorful ring gear, and uh, Hall and Nash both had blood, like, black and blood for their ring gear. I thought that was neat. No, what else was neat too, dude, was that WCW for sure played it up that these guys were invaders because they were. I was when I was doing the research for this show, they didn't mention by name Paul and Nash at all. Really, I think they only they only in the match they only refer to Hall and Nash once. They don't call them by their names, or it's always a duo, outsiders, or some other. Thing describing them, but they never call them by their names, you know, because they're play, playing it up that these guys are not from WCW. They're not in the company. Letting it happen organically and let the shock take place and let it be noticed for their product. Yeah, so it's like, so it's like, yeah, I can see, I can see that these guys for sure did a very well job in building up the story. There was a funny moment in the match, though, that, uh, well, I, I, I don't know. Sting accidentally does a splash and hits Luger, and then he collides with the ring post, and then he's, I guess, stretchered away from the match. Yeah, I mean that that I was uh, I thought it was funny to see that that all it took was knock him out, but um, you're exactly right. That's exactly what happened. Was Nash and Luger are brawling in the corner. Stinger tried to do a Stinger splash, and. Uh, he inadvertently hit the total package, and he went crashing the outside, and he needed a stretcher to come in. So pretty much, and you know, a two v two for the rest of the match. I just thought, it, I mean, the, don't get me wrong, the stinger splash is a deadly move on any opponent, but would you do it so hard that it accidentally ends up knocking your own teammate headfirst into the ring post? I mean, what's going on there? Well, I thought of it as this, you know. I thought of, I, I mean, 
even though I know what happens next, I thought of it as this. You know, I happens if you know Stinger did that on purpose. You know, maybe oh Sting no, is the third guy. That's terrible. You know, Wobbins. I mean, could you imagine if that was the reveal? You know, oh, that's uh, true. It could have been early seeds of the wolf pack right there. Exactly. That's the way I took it as it was like, you know, they probably he. I mean, like he probably did. They probably did this as be like, all right. Let's make it look like that maybe Sting did this on purpose, not on accident. Maybe Sting is the third guy. That's the way I took it. And it would have been cool to see, you know, maybe, you know, because Sting was WCW. So definitely. That would have been a very cool, different take on it. Yeah. But like, but like, I think maybe it wouldn't be as big as it was. So maybe in an alternate universe, that's what happened. But. Right, like I said, uh, infinite WCWs. <laughs> right. Um, so throughout the rest of the match, you have uh, Steengate worked on by both Hall and Nash. Um, you know, Savage is just waiting for that hot tag, and he finally gets it. You know, he's going off doing his his thing. You know, and it wouldn't last long. The uh, the referee's back is turned, and you get a low blow by Kevin Nash, and you have everybody down in the ring, and then you see somebody coming out. You ha- you see everybody eyes turn to towards the entrance ramp, and you see Hulk Hogan walking down. What were your thoughts coming down, or what were your thoughts when he was coming down? Um, well, I was thinking the. Bright ring colored baby face here to save the day. He's a legend for the company and he's established himself and just like any other match, he's coming down to help the baby faces out. Exactly. That's what I thought too. I mean but he did look a little bit more nervous. But I kind of took it as in as in like, oh, he's maybe nervous because he knows who he's gonna about to face, you know, because it, it is Paul and Nash, so you know maybe he's nervous. So it's like it was probably eating him up inside, wondering if it was gonna work or not. The whole right reveal. Well, no, the real thing was he's like, well, how much money I'm gonna make off this? Yeah, <laughs> but that's not neither here nor there. Um, so he comes down, you, and so okay, this is this is a, a question I'm gonna ask you that everybody says it's kind of a spoiler. But I didn't take it really that way just because of of what I've known the history of Keenan and Hogan was when Bobby says, but whose side is he on? How did you react to that when he said it? Uh, uh, well, I didn't really think about it, really, because I was thinking more so about what it, were his actions going to be in the ring rather than what Bobby was talking about, honestly. That's fine. Like, no, like I said, uh, I've ha- I've seen online people say that it's that it's uh, that it's a spoiler. I didn't take it that way because, like I said, um, since I've I've known a little bit about their history, how he's always been the heel commentator. He's always been against Hogan, so why wouldn't he put? in people's minds, you know, where does Hogan's true intentions lie? That's the way I took it. I like how Brain said tomorrow you could see a test pattern on Nitro. And it it makes you think like, oh, shit, they're going to take over and everything's going to be gone. Like, I have to watch it now. So, like, that's another marketing ploy to get viewers to tune in the next night after the pay-per-view. Yeah, so you get Hogan coming back down. He comes into the ring. He does his Hogan shake and rips off his shirt. You think he's, you know, you have Nash and Hall run out of the ring. You know, the crowd's going wild. And you have the announcers going wild. And then, boom, it happens. He re- leans up against the rope. The leg drop on Macho Man. And everybody is stunned. He gives the thumbs up to Hall and Nash. And then the commentators, is he the third guy? 
Yeah, he looks like he's the third guy. Oh, no. And everybody's hearts is just, you can tell, you know, is just dropped. Their hearts just drop, you know. Uh, it ends in a no contest, but it has been cemented, you know, in everybody's mind. Even before Mean Gene comes up, that Hogan is the third man, and he's turned his back on WCW. I'm not sure if it was Tony or Brain, but one of them said he has slept with the devil. And I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> the the commentary in this match and in the forthcoming afterwards, it, it is spot on. I like I said, I loved every single minute of this uh, part of the match and. What I appreciated like I said, I was that even though the match didn't have a pinfall to end it, they still went ahead and cut a promo to introduce what was still to come. And they expanded upon it. And they were still like embracing it and rolling with it. Just to get the yeah, and not even and, and th- this is how pe- how pissed off people are because of this. You have a fan running in that ring and you have Scott Hall and Nash beat the shit out of that fan because he's so pissed that WCW or that Hulk Hogan has turned their back on WCW. It really filled the fans with passion and they really wanted to show it. They were pissed off and they started throwing garbage in the ring too, actually. Yeah, and then you have the ring filling up with garbage. Gene Oakland comes out. He needs to know what the hell is going on. And here, I'm going to read some, some of it. Okay. Gene. Hulk Hogan, excuse me, excuse me, what in the world are you thinking? You know, he's so pissed off. Hulk Hogan, Mean Gene, the first thing you got to do is tell these people to shut up. If you want to hear what I've got to say, and just that interact, that little interaction, just you can tell that something serious just went down, you know. Do you want to know something cool I noticed also? Scott Hall did a quick little uh, suck it chop. I didn't notice that. I'm about to rewatch that. I did. I didn't know that. I'm serious. In '96, you know? he did like a little so, quick one right when they were in the middle of the ring, cutting that promo. It was so cool. I wrote it down. I'm, not, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to rewatch it. I, I didn't notice that. You know, Hulk Hogan, well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is that this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. These two men came from a great big organization up north, and everybody was wondering who was the third man. Well, who knows more about that organization than me, brother? And no truer words have been spoken because when you look back, it is true. He was WWF. He established his name as an icon, not only in WWF, but I mean, at one point he had been to Japan as well, I think. Yeah. And yeah, Mexico. Yeah. Oh, Did yeah. he wrestle in Me- Mexico as well? Um, I, I can't say that he has, but don't quote me on it. I'm not 100% sure. I'm sure he's been in a lot of promotions, different territories. But yeah, I mean, but like, like I agree. When when you look back on it, it's like, how could we not see him be the third man? You know, because it is true. You know, supposedly WWF is attacking WCW. Send two of your biggest guys down there with a sleeper agent. You know, who came in not that long ago? Who isn't WCW? Who isn't technically? The wrestling guy. I mean, the Hulk Hogan. The, you got to remember the funniest gimmick of all, though, is uh, Mr. America. <laughs> He's a patriotic yeah. luchador, brother. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's like, I'm just, that whole segment was great, you know. And then at the end, you get Mean Gene, Tony, Dusty, Bobby. Damn it. Let's get back to you. And then Tony, all right, we have seen the end of Hulkamania. For Bobby the Brain Heenan, Dusty Rhodes, for me and Gene Orkelin, I I don't know. I'm Tony Schiavone. 
Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. And then Fade to Black. You can go straight to hell, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and there you have it. That was Bash at the Beach 1996 with the jaw-dropping ending. What was what was your final thoughts on the show? I mean, it had a little bit of everything. And then to top it off, in the end, they tried something different, new, innovative. And it changed the face of wrestling for the years to come. Oh, no, I agree. I mean, like, if you think about how big this pay-per-view was, you have to look at everything from, from that. It was a catalyst um, for a rebellion. Like, it's just, it's a catalyst for everything. You have this happening, you have the NWO forming, you have the 83 weeks, and then you have um, WWF with their backs against the wall. They have to go to Attitude Era type of stuff. They go to the Attitude Era, and then we know how that story ends and goes. Definitely. But, like, it is... 90, Dash of the Beast 96 is the catalyst for all of that. And it's crazy to think that one show, one act, one heel turn did all that. I wondered if they, they could turn it into a franchise and try to capitalize into it as like a, a merch thing. Or they figured it would just be like a heel organization within the storyline that they would face. I don't know. Like, I wonder how they thought about the long-term booking of it. I haven't really read into that before. Well, well, luckily you have me, my friend. Supposedly Bischoff's take was that he wanted to do an aggressive expansion <laughs> and pretty much have it as its own brand. We'll get into it more later, Definitely. especially because there is a pay-per-view in 97 that, uh, pretty much is technically like a brand split uh, pay-per-view. It's its own entity. We'll talk about it when we get there in the timeline. But Sweet. that's what Bischoff wanted to do. He wanted it to create a NWO wrestling brand with a WCW brand. He Bischoff, the, the way that he was changing the business was that he had, he made a list saying, okay, what is old-timey Southern wrestling? What's WCW about? What is the brand? And then the other side of it is what is brand new? What's cutting edge? And he divided stuff up. And the reason why Jim Ross was let go from WCW was because he sounded too Southern. And he didn't want to – Bishop didn't want that anymore. He wanted out, which is ironic because then you have JR become the best – in my opinion, the best commentator on the other side in the Federation. Definitely. You know, yeah. so – there was just, just he just wanted to expand this and become its own thing. But wasn't there a it, new Japan as well? I think so. But like I said, we'll get it. We'll get there when we get there in the timeline. As of now, I'm in shock because you have, like I said, you have the biggest thing happen in in wrestling at this point. You know. Who would have thought that Hulk Hogan would finally turn heel and um, reveal himself as the third man? The biggest baby faces are laying waste, and the heels are running the place. <laughs> Hell yeah. So now that all what's left is what's your match of the night and your MVP? All right. If I had to choose out of all of them, well, I guess I have to go with Ric Flair versus Conan. For your match tonight, all yeah. right. And your MVP? Um, Conan. Okay. Because okay. he I'm... displayed a great amount of athleticism, and it was good to see it, the start to his career. I'm going to go with the cliche answer for this. and um, Don't get me wrong. I really love the opening matchup between Psychosis and Mysterio. But um, just because of the not not just because of the in reaction because it wasn't I mean the match itself was all right but um just because of just everything surrounding it the everything leading up to it and everything I'm gonna go with match of the night is the main event the Outsiders versus Luger uh, Sting and Savage nice 
And my MVP, I will give it to Ray Mysterio Jr. because uh, he was just coming back from injury in that match. Oh, wow. And he didn't look like he missed a step. So, and it's always fun seeing Prime Ray. It is true. I mean, uh, I respect Mysterio for his entire career. Don't get me wrong. But personally, I preferred his matches in WCW to the ones in WWF. Well, I can't compare the two. I will, hopefully at the end of this, I will. I mean, so, uh, I just I, I feel like there was a different feel to them, more uh, creative freedom in the ring. I guess I don't know. There's a different skill set that is allowed within WWF and WCW. So I don't want to say that it's better or worse, but there is a difference. Yeah. So, all right, buddy. Um, next next pay per view will be hog wild i guess we're gonna see the aftermath of what happened once uh paul nash and Hogan good old sturgis south dakota or is it somewhere else i think i have no fucking <laughs> where they get all those bikes and all those crazy people watch the wrestling like like knowing now that's probably one of the dumbest moves bischoff did but we'll talk about it on that pay-per-view <clears throat> Thank you, everybody, for joining us on our first episode of the WCW res- Retrospective. Um, we'll see everybody next next time for Hogwild. Just keep a lookout. And, uh, again, I'm Kiko. I'm the Fox. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Laters, guys. Peace. Peace.